You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Yeah, hit it. Matt's hit the red button. Oh, yeah. That means we're live. It's, uh, it's that Pavlovian response we have here on a Sunday afternoon. Red button goes on. Red light comes on. <laughs> Time to talk. Welcome to Eat. Welcome to the afternoon. You are on three triple RFM on a glorious day. Yeah, we should pause just to recognise what an amazing afternoon Melbourne has. Pausing. Look, up. look around, right. people. Feel the breeze. Yes. Feel the sun. Yes. Feel the beauty. Feel the fecundity of spring. <laughs> yes. Dare I say it? You know, just smiling in the stars show. Matt Stedsman is here. He is not peddling around the bay. Spare a thought for him. Did that last others. week? That was yeah. On a day defined primarily by its wind, <laughs> wind. <laughs> there was a bunch of us chumps uh, trying to ride through it. But congratulations to everyone this morning <laughs> who would have finished the Melbourne Marathon, or much like my wife Nicole, might have finished a half marathon. Yeah. So congratulations to all of you folks. You ran. You ran and conquered. You conquered. You perspired. And now the roads will go back to normal at some point in the next few hours. Yeah. All. All will return. Uh, big thanks to the scientists. Big thanks yes. to all the people in the morning and their eruditions. Yes. And I think we've got some good stuff today. Well, that's good. <laughs> just, <laughs> that just there you go. Um, first of all, um, we're going to be talking to Dr. Rosemary Stanton. Yes. Um, a couple things that have come up. Dr. Rosemary is... Uh, our go-to person for fearless, independent, non-political advice on nutrition. Would yes. that be a fair thing to yeah, say? And I guess also the commercial food industry and regulation thereof. Yes. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, unlike maybe the Department of Health. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we don't want to start too much nah. with a, uh, negative on that. But we're going to be looking at uh, the HealthStar website and um, also there was a... Um, Article in the Age this morning uh, yes. regarding cutting sugar in soft drinks. There's a claim here that um, says that cutting sugar in soft drinks would save 155,000 lives and $8 billion. Now, that's not quantified yet, but we might no. get a little bit of a comment from Rosemary on Isn't that. an idea that's been bouncing around for many years now, hasn't it? Either a sugar tax or a legislated reduction in sugar. Well, is uh, what you were saying about how um, industry is sort of almost looking for the, the new tobacco in a way. Mm. Is it alcohol? Is it salt? Is it sugar? Is it a thing of all of these? Mm. And um, what are the facts behind it? And that yes. is why we get Rosemary on because she can sort of cut through spin, mm -hmm. uh, lobbying, and, um, and talk straight. So looking forward to having a chat to Rosemary Stanton. And then Algeria. Yes. The cuisine of Algeria, yeah. the country of Algeria. First of all, do you know where Algeria is? I would be lying if I said I do. The first thing I say to you is it is huge. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is big. And um, we have Pierre Codger is in. He of uh, Camus Restaurant mm -hmm. in Northcote. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to talk to him about the cuisine of Algiers, uh, the... Uh, the inspiration of his cooking from Algiers, the mm -hmm. influences, which are many. Yes. There's a French overlay. There's a colonial right. overlay on that. As there so often I is. I will give you a hint. It's in the Mediterranean. Okay. So there's a bit, but there's a lot of influences there. I'm going to go and get my globe and we can 
And point it out. You blow up globe. <laughs> I had one of them as a kid. A yes. blow up globe. And it glowed in the dark. So They're awesome that. fun. Like, yeah. And you can kick them around really, really I, well. And I did that too. Yeah, you did that too. So anyway, get your globes out. Have a look at Algeria. We're going to be talking about the cuisine of Algeria and yes. letting you know about the opportunities to go into Northcote and uh, and try said cuisine. Yep. And have a chat to Pierre and talk about Pierre's mum. Oh, nice. Yeah, love that. Mm. Um, so, yes, that. And then something amazing has happened. It really, really has. Uh-huh. Danny Valant. Yes. Um, food writer. Food writer extraordinary. Yes. <laughs> or even extraordinary. <laughs> is uh, going to be coming in. Hopefully she's uh, not running the marathon or fighting the marathon traffic. She has done something unprecedented. Mm-hmm. She's given a perfect score to a restaurant. Say what? Say what? Yeah. Which restaurant is this? It's a place called Miznon. Um, Miznon. Miznon, which um, brings pita to unbelievable scale. Right. Pita is in the bread. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, um, pitters yes. from Miznon. We might even talk about runover potatoes from Miznon. And um, also, Danny's been involved, mm. I have in a slight way as well, uh, with Trade Week, which has uh, been a Victorian government initiative to get lots of people in yep. to buy stuff. Yeah, right. Export. 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 How do we had, hey, export. Yeah. Say, are they a good thing? We can do it to things that aren't coal. Who knew? <coughs> Not going there. <laughs> no. Not taking the bait here at 12.07. Um, and so Danny's going to be here and uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat to her. So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a roundabout sort of show. It's kind of yes. all over the joint. And, In a uh, good way. And uh, Matt right. has curated some music to make you feel good while you are driving around. Yes. But it is 12.07 and a half and I think rather than tarry on... Should we just crack on with it? I think we should just crack we on should. with it. We're going to have a chat to Dr. Rosemary Stanton after these sponsorship announcements. Messages. 12.09 here in 3 triple RFM. And on the line we have Rosemary Stanton. A very, very good afternoon to you, Rosemary. Thank you, Cam. It's been a while since we've had a chat, isn't it? It has indeed. And, um, look, I thought we'd just get straight into it. Um the uh, the health star rating website for um healthy eating it's had yep. an interesting um history it's had a certainly a hiccups when it was first started that maybe we'll get into but uh i thought maybe we just might have a look at where it is now what it's supposed to achieve and how it's going well at the moment there's started looking at uh, reviewing a few things about it so uh, people had to put in submissions and there are some workshops happening at the moment uh, on the the whole idea of of rating the stars on a product as it's prepared Uh, and this is a reason because you've got things like certain uh, chocolate uh, powders that you stick in milk Mm. giving them which would only get uh, one in particular would get one and a half stars but if it if it's added to the skim milk and you add on all the value of the skim milk it comes up to four and a half you've also got uh, various sauce mixes or something or other that you use in in cooking which get only half a star because they're basically salt 
and a few herbs and spices. Yes. Uh, but instead, they add a whole stack of chicken and vegetables and then give themselves four stars, uh, with the stars coming from the chicken and vegetables, not the product itself. So they're, they're sort of um, making the stars on as prepared and suggesting that you add all sorts of really healthy things to these products and then you will uh, then you, you'll get more stars, as if that somehow or other makes the product good. So that is a problem, and the health department has uh, sort of had people put in submissions to that, uh, and they've had one workshop, one stakeholders workshop in Sydney. There's one coming up in Melbourne and one in, in New Zealand. And certainly I went to the one that was held, I went up to Sydney for the Sydney one. Yes. And there was pretty widespread dissatisfaction with this whole thing. Dissatisfaction uh, so from whom, Rosemary? Well, the dissatisfaction comes from all the public health people and ah. from the consumer groups. Yes. Uh, there's, there's total satisfaction from some sections of the media, but n- not some sections, sorry, of the food industry, but, but not all. Some of the food industry people were saying, no, this isn't right. Yes. Certainly breakfast cereals uh, have had right from the beginning, breakfast cereals and breadcrumbs have had to have for the product. So you can't sort of say, look, if you add two cups of milk to this uh, breakfast cereal, it'll suddenly get get more, more uh, stars. Or, or skim milk so to it. They've got their own problems, though, because which we could talk about in a minute. But, but in general, some of the um, food industry people didn't think it was right the way it was, but others, particularly those involved in these particular products, thought that it should be like that because they say, well, you don't just have this chocolate powder by itself totally denying the fact that some kids do. Some kids also do. denying the fact that it's often sprinkled on top of ice cream and that you're, almost nobody would have put it in skim milk as they're sort of putting on the packet. I mean, skim milk is responsible for less than two, uh, less than 3% of, of all milk sales. So 3%? To say, you know, this product plus skim milk, it's a bit unrealistic because nobody's going to put it in skim milk and there's not even that much skim milk available for sale and it's not the way people use it anyway. Uh, and as for the ones that are the salty sauces and the rest, that's, to me that's just a, a nonsense that you add chicken and vegetables and you get stars for chicken and vegetables, but um, it looks like you're getting the stars for the, for the sauce that you have with them or the sauce mix or the soup mix or whatever you add to them. Rosemary, so in a, a crazy system. And Okay, so the, the, here it is um, as it is in, uh, where are we, October 2017. Any ideas what would make it, a better system? Well, I mean, I actually was initially quite supportive of the system, but... The you were on board we with the implementation, or the... Um, uh, well, initially, yes, yes, until there was a change of government and uh, the final people who put it together didn't include anybody with some um, specific nutrition qualifications. So, well, um, yeah, and I think it, it also... Sort of changed a bit. It did, certainly didn't include me. And, uh, and it, or, may I say something, Rosemary, that it also people maybe need to be reminded that... Um, on February the 12th, 2014, when it did go live, it only lasted for 20 minutes when mm-hmm. Alistair Fernville, who was uh, an ex-lobbyist uh, that was sort of embedded, shall we say, within the Department of Health, was able to nobble it. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. I mean, it, it, it is a problem. I can see that you need some system um, whereby you can very quickly see if a product is healthy or not when you look at it in the supermarket. Now, I know people say, look, we can develop something or other and you can scan the barcode with your phone and you mm. can sort of then get more information about it. They've, those people have never been shopping with a couple of small kids in tow, um, <laughs> yes. I reckon. You know, 
you just don't have time to do that. So I think some system is good. But what has happened is that the algorithm by which people, the, the companies can score these things, yes. really doesn't give us the right picture. Um, so they get they lose points for the amount of saturated fat, for the amount of total sugars, for the salt, but then they gain some extra points according to the protein content, even though Australians aren't deficient in protein. That's and not a problem the here, is it? If they, if they add some fruits, vegetables, nuts or legumes, and very often that includes some concentrated fruit, um, fruit concentrate, which is basically sugar Fructose. added to it, but it counts as a positive fruit instead of a negative sugar. So you need the algorithm needs some changes, but there's another point that I think is really important, and that is that the products that overwhelmingly are sort of um, thinking this is good for their sales are what we call discretionary products. These are things mm -hmm. that um, really should, um, if you eat them at all, they should only be consumed in small amounts occasionally. You know, the treat sort of products, this is um, too often, quite... called, often called junk foods. Okay. But these products are scoring uh, the points. And, and at one, one of the workshops, we had some food technologists saying that, you know, they can manipulate the points in products. They can add a bit more protein by sticking a bit of um, soy powder or something into a product. They can change the nature of the fats. They could even go back to using the horrible trans fats because technically they're not included as saturated fats. I thought um, we'd wave those goodbye, Rosemary. Yeah, these things, these things get in and they say, look, we can do all this and so if we're clever, we can give these products four stars. So I think if you're going to include, I would rather these discretionary, inverted commas, product junk foods weren't allowed to use the star system at all. Mm. If they are to use the star system, then I think we'd, we really do need to have some kind of limit on the number of stars that these products can get. So you might say, look, you know, if it's a junk food, basically, or it's a discretionary product, so I'm going to be polite, you can't ever get more than two stars. Um, you know, so that we could have no, none of these products, they don't have the same range. Other products have the range of half a star to five stars, but if you're junk food, um, you know, you go down the line, you can never get five stars for a food that should only be an occasional thing because it's, it's giving people the wrong idea. Yes. Uh, and also it would be a good idea if people actually read the health department's uh, website uh, which they're not going to. It would be a good idea. To <laughs> <have> <laughs> <promoted> <laughs> I like way. the way you've done that, which will never happen. But, it, yeah, yeah, it well, is around. You just healthstarrating.gov.au. Yeah, I know, and it does tell you that the health stars shouldn't be the, the sole thing by which you choose your diet, that really you should be sticking to the five food groups and that you should be eating fruits and vegetables and all sorts of things, that you know, these fresh foods that don't have stars on them at all, that this is just a system for the packaged foods, in, you know, it's intended for the packaged foods, but that should not govern your whole diet. Now, that's the message I think the health department should be putting out. Interestingly, just um, this week, the British Medical Journal had an analysis of the spend mm. by governments uh, on uh, all the, the amount they spend on, on healthy eating, and they found that they are outspent by 30 times by the people advertising junk food. So you've got 30 times as much spent, this is certainly figures for Britain, yes. 30 times as much spent on junk foods ads as all government spending on everything they have to do with healthy eating. That would include what happens in schools and all the rest of it. So is wow. it any wonder that yeah. we eat so much junk food? I mean, advertising works. They're not going to spend all that money if it doesn't work. And yet governments, I think, really... Just having a health star rating is not going to do it on its own. They really need to do much more. And yet 
when you talk to the um, to the government about this, they say, oh, we've got the health star rating, that should do the trick. It's not going to do the trick, not in its present form, not in any form, uh, because it's not the total message. And that's that's the bit that I think we need to, to get people looking at. It's... This all matters, you know, it's not just... It's not as if um, the way we're eating is, is fine. It's not fine. At the moment, one-third of, of adults and over 40% of kids' um, calories are coming from junk food. So we've got to do something. And if you're spending all this money advertising these things, then either you're going to have to cut the advertising, certainly for kids, or you're going to have to spend an equal amount of money from government or preferably more so that a better message will get out. You don't just have... Um, health stars, that's not going to work. The only problem is when you have food lobbyists embedded in the whole system of uh, that things uh, can come awry or be influenced uh, inappropriately. Well, that's right. And I, I would think that when you're setting up things like a health star rating, and you could do it well so that it worked, you, you get the, the people who are involved in health to set the rules and then you invite the food industry to come to the party. You don't get the food industry setting up the rules. Uh, that's the wrong way to do it. And if you do that, whether it's school canteens or whether it's health stars or anything else, they're naturally going to game the system to make it advantageous to them. And really we need our health advice to benefit the population, not to benefit people selling junk food. It's funny, I'm just thinking of the analogy of foxes in charge of hen houses. Yeah, well... Seems to be. Uh, Rosemary, look, we're going to let you go. Thank you, as always, for having a chat to us. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and look forward to speaking to you soon. What? My 51st wedding anniversary today. Oh, what one is that? That's past golden. 51 years to the one man, yeah. Hey, he's a a lucky man and well done. Um, But I'm just wondering, what is 51 years? Is that uh, other than a great period of time of great love? But is there, like, it's not diamond, it's not gold, it's... No, I think gold came last year at yeah, number okay. 50. I don't sort of care about that oh, kind just, of stuff. You're going out? Are you going to have a though, bottle of wine or...? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, but we've... Um, he's the same weight as he was the day I married him. How's that? Not bad. There's consistency for you. And that's what we <laughs> love from you too, Rosemary, is your <laughs> intellectual you. consistency in having a chat to us. Happy wedding anniversary. Have a great day. Thanks a lot, Kev. Okay, bye. Oh, I got a real smile on my face now. That's kind of cute. I just googled fifty first anniversary. It turns out there's a Jimi Hendrix song. Really? Yes. <laughs> Which, had we known in advance, we would have had ready to play. What's the Jimi Hendrix song? I don't know. It's called fifty first anniversary. Oh, okay, twelve twenty one here on three Triple <laughs> FM. We're going to be talking Algerian cuisine after some beautifully curated music. Yeah, Maddie Stedman. Yes, when too much sit is barely enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Talk 26 here on 3 R FM. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome, introduce, and bring out to the world Pierre Codger. A very, very good afternoon to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Ken. It is just an absolute pleasure. How is your Sunday going? Wonderful so far. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely day out there. Oh, it's just a beautiful day. I was thinking it's a, just an awesome day to be outside. A picnic, perhaps. A barbecue. Somewhere, just eat outside. Have a few beers? Yeah, have a few beers, have a drink, and just celebrate this season. But we're here to celebrate a couple of things. First of all, the opening of your place. Oh, yes, Camus. Because it's been an interesting journey for you, cooking for other people, 
learning your stuff um, on on the way, right, and now right. you've arrived in Northcote. That's right. Named after possibly maybe the most famous Algerian around. That's right. That's right. Uh, Camus. Yes, Camus. Albert Camus. Albert Camus. Right and philosopher. Yes. The absurdist, wasn't it? Was yes, it? yes. Yes. And he had a very interesting uh, life. Yeah. Yes, and, and crazy, and it's sort of like this circular thing because he he was born in Algeria yes. and unfortunately lost his life in Algeria. Yeah, he, that's right. He, that's he right. ended up he was run over or something. That, that's right. That he died, and the reason why we connected it because we, you know, I was born the same town he was born. Yes, he played soccer. What was that town? Uh, he called Belcourt. Belcourt. Yeah. And is he, that Goodhart? Yes. Is that no, a French name? No, no, no. No, no, it is an area. It's yeah, a yeah, very okay. poor area. Yes. And uh, he, uh, we, I played soccer, he played soccer, and he was, he came from a very poor family, same, same. Mm. So we come up uh, with this name. So, um, it's been, it's been great. It related to the restaurant, related to my background. And uh, what we're doing is, and I was, as you know, I was classically trained French. Yes. And I use a lot of uh, my spices from North Africa. And this is the thing we need to just get people to understand <coughs> because we start to understand people from not here. And the very first way we seem to do it, where the acceptance comes from, we're understanding and empathy come from is to sit down and eat. Sure. But first of all, the thing that really, really struck me about Algeria is just how big it is. It's huge. It's huge. The desert itself put three countries into it. Yes. You know, you can, it's, it's between Morocco and, Algeria, uh, and, and Tunisia. Yes. And you can put London, France, and, and, and Belgium all in one, just in the desert. It's huge. Yes. The population is 40 million, 40 million point six or something. Wow. It's huge and very rich in gas, oil, petrol. Yes. It's a 40, it's number four exporter in gas in the world. Is it really? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's very rich. But the people I wonder what poor. they pay for their gas over there. <coughs> anyway, let's not go get into right, that. That's, that's right. opening up a whole another can of worms. But okay, so with this area, we're looking at if you, we did have uh, Matt Stedman's glow up, uh, glow in the dark, my glow, kick around the, uh, the room glow. Yeah. He was telling us about that a while ago. <laughs> it's, if you're looking at the Mediterranean, it's in the southern part of the Mediterranean area. That's right. And then, but then we look at, the influence is, first of all, around the Mediterranean. And in a way, it's a bit of a crossroads of empires, of people. Sure. And with that comes an eclectic mix of influences sure. within the one area. Would you like to maybe just talk about what influences Algerian food? Algeria's first was the Ottomans, which is the Turks. Yes. And then the second is the French. So they stayed there for hundreds, nearly 140 years. That didn't go well in the end, did it? It didn't. It was no. an awful situation there. For, for it was, a, it was a frightening war, it I was remember dreadful. That. It was dreadful. And, um, well, when did it end? Just to give 1962. Yeah, right. And 1958, you know, the, the, we had you know all the independence in 19. 62. And Algeria now is still, if you look around the street, it's, it's built by the French and the Turks, you know. It, but again, they left, you know, a little bit of um, a sign. You can see the food in restaurants. Gee, if you had, like, you know, so far as culinary influences go, that Turkish and 
and French is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, and amazing. They, and they meld together amazing. well? Very well. Mm. Plus, there's Andalusia, you know, a bit of a Spain there. I mean, from Sicily, you can see Tunisia. From Tunisia, you can see Algeria. Mm. So it's all the waters all together. And <clears throat> the mix of the, you know, the land is so fertile. Camp is so fertile. Literally, you know, it's it, it's beautiful stuff. And, and it's a wonderful place to go as well for you know, destination for, for holiday. People don't see Algeria as a great place to go. No. You know, and it's amazing. It's people, the French, the Americans, the Germans, they go there in August, which is very hot, you know, and then they book for the next August. So it, it's unbelievable. It's wow. unbelievable. It's, it's, uh, and the food, and that's why, you know, when I was little, you know, I was watching all this happening. We used to go to the market with my mother, and literally the bag was bigger than me. And we used to go together <laughs> and pick up all these beautiful cheap ingredients yes. and turn it to amazing stuff because the tomato over there tastes different than the tomato over here. Yes. You know, you just slice a tomato with some salt and that's your lunch. Yes. You know, and the fruits, you know, the, the figs, you know, the, the, the pricky pears, all that stuff which is we don't know about it. It's unbelievable. You know, it's just big explosions. This. Yeah, right. And... You mentioned the fact that you remember going to the markets with your mum with this huge bag. She was the first and possibly the greatest influence on your cooking that there's been in your life. Would that that's be right? right? That's right, indeed. That's right indeed. Tell me about your mum. What's her name? Well, her name is Hada. Yeah. And she, we, we, we were, you know, eight in the family. Eight? And eight people. And where, where did you come in all that? Uh, I was the second last. I've got oh, good. that's good. So you were, you were <laughs> indulged <That's> almost. Right. <laughs> yes. So, but I've done all the hard work. But, uh, yeah, you still worked out. That's I don't right. want to take too much away. But. And uh, yes, um, I used to, I was very interested, you know, we had very little money and then we had little equipment too. Mm. And um, she used to come, you know, uh, I used to, we lived in this sort of little cul-de-sac and you can smell the cooking when she's cooking, you know, it's from the heart. It's simplicity is the key. Mm-hmm. You know, start with great ingredients and the rest is history. Yes. And that's what we do. You know, I use very cheap cuts to make a wonderful food. Mm. You know, and those days, you know, I feel it for us. It's not, you know, an existence. You, you don't see it. We just lamb necks. Yes. You know, brains, sardines, octopus, cheap stuff. And we used to go to the market and fill it up and come in and feed us all wonderfully. Yeah. Chickpeas, lentils, you know, all that stuff. So... Which is today become sort of super healthy food. Yeah, well, there's, there's something about it. Is there um, in Algeria anything approaching a national dish that you're able to define the country from? That's it. Certainly, there is a dish where they call couscous. Yes, but it's a different couscous. He, over here, came, they buy couscous and they put hot water over it. Yes, the, ro- well, most of us get instant couscous. Right. So I don't think any one of us has a, a couscousier. That's right. Um, at yeah, home, exactly. and we're and we're used to doing this great um, um, food that saves you time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How is couscous done Cous- in Algeria? That's right. Couscous done is usually, you know. Uh, uh, Local ladies get together and cook about 50, 60 kilos and they leave it in the sun for 15 days to dry up in the sun. And then. How do you make couscous in the, in the, in the first thing? It's sort of, it's a rubbing it, it, sort of it's, thing? It's right. It's a big piece of wood. Yes. And then they have water. Yes. And some molina and you keep going, keep going, and keep going until they get it's this grainy stuff. I'm thinking, I'm reminded, Matt, just to give you an analogy mm-hmm. and help you, it's like Karate Kid. 
Ah, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's this it's circular right. thing. Yeah. That's, that's right. And it's slow as you talk yeah, about what's happening in the town and right. not gossiping, but maybe <laughs> just talking. <laughs> and and <laughs> through this, <laughs> this beautiful rhythm happens that you're able to draw these grains. Beautiful, beautiful. And then what happened? They dry it in the sun for a long time. And then... You know, when it comes to time to do it, in the couscous here, as you mentioned, in the bottom you put your meat and veg, and then you steam the couscous three times. times. Three times? Three times. Whoa. And the steam from all the steam from the, 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 the vegetables and the meat goes through the couscous. <gasps> and, and then you have to use ghee. Yes. And massage it beautiful, and then you serve it separately. Mm-hmm. So actually, Danny Valance, she had it in my house. Really? Yes, yes. And this is what you're talking about. We were, I was actually asking you about um, comfort food, and you were saying that's the thing I'd want. That's exactly right. I was in London, and there's a, um, Jonathan Mead is a very well-known journalist who asked me, hey, how do you describe couscous? And I said, exactly the same as foie gras in France. <laughs> to us, it's... <laughs> to us and, it's and a lot less cruel, too. <laughs> yes, exactly it's just right. massaging yes, brains right, rather right. than force-feeding right. some poor that's goose right. that go, what did I do wrong? Exactly. <laughs> now, tell us, we've, um, we've got a bit of time left. T- tell us a little bit about the, uh, the Melbourne experience of Algerian food at Camus in Northcote. Yeah, uh, Cameron, I, it's been amazing. Because you uh, opened in January, didn't you? That's right. Yes. It's, it's been amazing. Uh, the locals, you know, what happened amazingly. Uh, the media has been fantastic. Yes. Uh, customers great. It's going from strength to strength. It, well, that's it's, good. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It's, uh, I, I, you know, I, I done my time. I had a bit of a rough time in Melbourne. In yes. Australia, I should say. And, uh, you know, after the accident, as you know, it yes. happened. And uh, now it's turned up, you know. I'm really lucky and I'm thankful and thank all my customers. What give uh, us give us an idea? We walk through the door. What do we see? What do we smell? We, what you know? We did. Um, we created the, this lady called uh, Jenny. She created an amazing uh, design from what was born in in, in, in Algiers, mm. and then a few um, <coughs> few sayings from his books and and pieces and pieces. Then, of course, the kitchen's open kitchen. You can smell all the aroma of the. You know all the spices because it's spice led. What are what are the spices of? Um, I'm guessing cumin. Yes, would be yes. the, the cumin, big yes. Kawai, anise, taranis, aniset. You know, um, cardamom, uh, all that uh, stuff. Yeah, so deep, bassy, aromaticy sort of smells. And, and then of course we talk. And then we talk about the bis, 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 bistilla. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, that's um, that's cinnamon, isn't it? That's right. We put it, 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 I do it with duck. They usually made it with pigeon. Yes. So duck, and then you caramelize onion, ginger, uh, ginger with um, uh, mint, coriander, and filo pastry and ghee. If there's anything you need to try, folks, just to experience the richness and just this, oh, this beautiful spices, which is unexpected. Uh, for the Western palate, I would I would certainly recommend sure, that. Sure, it's been a great experience. Mm. Very, I'm very happy, and and you know, Melbourne has been great. No, oh, Pierre. Well, look, it's been uh, an absolute delight having you on the show. Uh, the restaurant is called Camus, C A M U S, named after the very very famous French, Algerian French would probably Sorry. be the better Quinoa. word. Isn't it? No way. Um, thank you, Pierre, for coming in. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
12.38 here on 3 Triple R. Actually, it's 12.39. Uh, Matt's uh, winding me up at the moment. And the reason why is uh, we're very, very excited because mm. we've got Danny Vallant, and Danny Vallant has done something completely unprecedented. She's given a perfect score. The place is called Miznon. We're going to find out about it after this. And the red light's on, and mm. my lord, we're happy. We've just been speaking with Pierre Codger and learning about Algerian cuisine. Tick! That was kind of fun, but uh, the great thing is that uh, looking across from me, beaming because of the glorious day, we've got Danny Valland, a very good afternoon to you, and happy spring. Oh, thank you. It is so beautiful out there. And I did see some marathon completists walking yes. around the streets. Was looking that smug? Yeah, <laughs> smug but slightly hey. wobbly. Oh, wobbly so good smug. for them. <laughs> uh, endorphin rush, yep. <laughs> I think, is, is the one that's happening. Um, dare I say it, Danny, you had a little bit of an endorphin rush where um, <laughs> uh, it uh, kind of went to your head, the celebration of the that happened down at Miznon. Yeah. And that ain't no Miznoma. Um, wow, you've been working, you're working it, Cam. Well, it just um, happened. I don't know. It just fell out of me. Okay, so... What's going on? Tell us about it. Miznon is a new restaurant in Hardware Lane in the city. It opened at the end of August. Hardware Lane's really coming along, isn't it? Well, it's in that spruiking bit of Hardware Lane where there are um, guys with uh, menus trying to lure you into their restaurants. but Which should be avoided at all costs. I believe so. I think so. No, we just we just nail the colours to the mast. If someone's going to pay a wage to someone to put it out the front to say, try the thing, don't do it. Chin chin. There's just the opposite of that. People line up for days because of word of mouth. Absolutely. Someone's paying a wage to someone, keep walking, but there's a reason to walk into Hardware Lane other than yeah. Kirk's. Yes, there's some great – look, there are some good places there, but I suppose the reason I wanted to chat about Mizzon is that I think it's great, but, I, I you know, as, we, as you know, we were great. chatting – and I've been writing my Sunday Age column for more than a decade. So every every week for 10 years, a little bit more, I've been writing a restaurant review on the Sunday Age. And That's a few stuff. notches in the gun there. So, That's, you know. Yeah. Um, and? This, and this is the first time I've ever given five out of five stars. Boom. Matt Stedman writing furiously yes. at that. Lord, hold the presses. Stop the presses. <laughs> What pushes something into a perfect score? I thought a perfect score was unat—it's like unobtainium. Yeah, well, I think. What did it? What? Is, what? Is, I suppose what pushed it over the line? <laughs> Are you going to let me say? Okay. Um, so I suppose what it opened up for me is a, a broader discussion about you know what do scores mean and and can you really score a restaurant anyway? And is there anything that's ever perfect? And that's probably a no, but. I think my thing with scoring restaurants is that you take a place on its own terms. And I think I've rarely come across a restaurant that inhabits its own identity as completely, fully and exuberantly as Miznon does. Please elaborate. So Miznon is the sixth restaurant in a group of restaurants that started in Tel Aviv in Israel in 2007. Its spiritual leader, its Peter Preacher, is a guy called Eyal Shani, an Israeli chef. And Miznon is a loose party that happens to serve food. The food is very simple, very delicious. It is not fine dining. This is a do not wear your best clothes because you're going to have tahini dripping down to your elbows kind of restaurant. And I love the fact there's a line within your review where you talk about the song lines of cooking. 
Ah. about recipes, but not specific. It's not an operations manual, they do. Yeah, correct. So it's a vibe. It's a, exactly. So <laughs> Ayal Shani talks about that he doesn't give his cooks recipes, but he tells them the story of the dish. Such as? So I think, you know, what can we talk about? So, I mean, the most famous dish at Miznon is the cauliflower. So they do a whole roasted cauliflower. And I think the story that, I mean, I don't want to presume, but I believe the story is along the lines of, the cauliflower is like the brain of the vegetable animal and it is honoured through a gentle massaging with olive oil, a sprinkling with salt. It is it is boiled and then it is roasted. It is coaxed to deliciousness to amazing perfect collapse. Carving it is an event as it might be to carve a Sunday roast. So I think there's a whole lot of threads to that. There is this idea of vegetables as an event. And um, that's not unprecedented in this town. If we think of Embler and the roasted broccoli that was happening, Oh, absolutely. I think Melbourne thing. is a town that loves its vegetables. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is part of a bigger story that's playing out where vegetables are being honoured in new ways, and I think that is fantastic. Meat is served at this restaurant, but it is uh, a lesser player, so you could easily eat there as a vegetarian or indeed a vegan. And that is something that I think in a subtle way this restaurant and many others is pushing, that, uh, yeah, you don't need to have a big hunk of meat to call it dinner. There is an exuberance at this place from what I can get from what I'm sort of absorbing from this article. There's, yeah. There's horns being blowed. There's, yeah, there's tambourines. There's, tam- there's people walking around with trays of shots. And as I say in my review. Whoa, hang about. Trays of shots. Yeah. Um, not sure if this is an RSA approved no. tray of shots, but, uh. But we're talking about shots of Iraq, yeah? Yeah, or vodka or, or whiskey. I mean, not top shelf stuff either. Just, you know, I guess it's, it's all about. It's a place where if you're there and if you're in the spirit of it, and it might not be a restaurant for everybody, but if you're mm. going along for the ride, then you are warmly welcomed into this ex- into this communal experience, into this party. Now, I am not a person that loves um, uh, audience participation. Yeah, he said, or first of all, even, noise, audience yeah. participation, or sh- I don't do shots. I don't, you said. but I love the noise of but Ms. Non. I knocked back a couple of shots of Arak, you know, just to see what it was like. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And we're talking about probably, I'm thinking maybe like a 50 15 mil shot. Oh, look, it's, it's a not like a, yeah, it's, No, no, it's, yeah, it's not cowboy-style shots. No. Uh, but um, it, 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 the other inter- interesting thing about this restaurant is that the, may, the most of the seats are, are bleacher-style, so overlooking the kitchen, just um, wooden steps, very casual. So there's kids up there, there's people on dates, there's, you know, whole family. It's a kitchen coliseum. You have nailed it, absolutely. So mm. it's just a fun place to check out. I think it's a great addition to Melbourne's ex- incredibly vibrant dining scene. And I just was so swept up in it that I felt motivated to, for the very first time, Danny, just use the stars. <gasps> use the stars, Luke. I said to myself. Yeah, and and it just happened. You said, no, this... I was like, what am I faulting here? Uh, what am I taking a point away for? And nothing came to mind. Wow. And all right, well, then that begs the question, and this is sort of like, you know, the Reader's Digest <laughs> answer. How do you normally do your reviews and your critiques? Okay. Uh, well, I suppose I start first by looking at the great map of Melbourne and trying to go a little bit north, south, east, west and central and just sort of covering all those geographic bases because Melbourne's right. a big, sprawling city. So Huge. I do that. I try to cover different price points. So I'm lucky with my Sunday Age column that I can do everything from, you know, breakfast to fine dining. So mm. I can cover the gamut, which is which is a privilege. That's cute. So I cover try to cover a range of cuisines, um, a range of price points, a range of occasions. And I also theme my column. So, for example, today's review of Madras Brothers in 
Smith Street, Fitzroy. My theme is courtyards because they've got a lovely yes. beer garden there. But I'm also, I suppose, covering that base of going to Fitzroy, which, you know, is often done in restaurant land. So the uh, first criteria to paraphrase is you want to look at everything. and you So everything's available for you to have a look at. Absolutely. Now, right. most I guess most critics skew towards the new. I try to also give places that have been around for a while a lot of love because I think restaurants that have been doing their thing for a while. So you're not like the moths that go to the next brightest light. I'm drawn to the flame like everybody, but yes. I try to, um, you know, put on my glasses and, and turn my away. head. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, give a little. There's so many great restaurants that have been doing what they're doing for more than five minutes, and I love to shine a light on those as well. And they need to be celebrated as well. So then you go into a place you obviously look around you use all your senses i would imagine uh yeah i'm not sure how much touch i use when i first walk in maybe just gently caressing a bonquette tell you what yeah okay but okay here's one that i always do one of the first things i always do is i pick up the fork Oh. And I look and I go, yeah, yeah, it's a good fork. Yeah, it's got yeah. a bit of heft to it. So yeah, there's, there's a bit of touch. That's um, true. If you're in one of those, we're talking Old Testament places now, if we look at stuff, the tablecloth, the napery. Yeah, yeah. Give but it anyway, a... okay. So let, no, yeah, but tab- sure. No, we do use all the senses. Yep. yep. Uh, take it all in. Uh, and I suppose, again, it's, it's that thing of taking a restaurant on its own terms. So my first question to myself is always, what is this restaurant trying to be? Are they succeeding on their own terms? Yep. Because it is, there is no point going to a restaurant like Mizon, for example, and saying, where are those white tablecloths? Yeah, well, that is not there. what they're no. about. In fact, they don't even really have forks. Dude, you missed so the point. Yes. You're going to have to just gently weigh a napkin in your hand to um, do your fork test at Mizon. And I'd even probably say it'd be a serviette, not a napkin. I think it, it would be, a, yeah. a, it'd be a number of thin serviettes that you'll be using yeah. one after another to wipe up that tahini. Sounds good. So, okay, so... Um, the criteria is what are they offering, how successful are they in offering that. There's a lot of things that you have to consider about a restaurant, isn't there? There is. I mean, It's insane. Yeah. I mean, restaurants are mood pieces, I guess. So we're Ooh. certainly looking at the food, um, but yeah. we're, I think, more looking at how the overall experience makes a person feel. I think that's why we go to restaurants. And whether, yes. it, whether it hurts you in your back pocket, uh, is that worth it to be hurt in the back pocket? Sure. How happy are the s- staff is always really, really important. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable? I think that's a big question for me is, you know, is the restaurant doing everything it can do to make you feel at home um, yeah. and just putting that smile uh, on your face uh, with their, with all the different elements of what they do. And that is, I guess, all the things that they do with five senses. And in regards to Miznon, which has been given uh, an unprecedented five stars, first time in goodness knows how long. Well, actually, you told me it was about how many years? Have you been <laughs> More doing than it? 10 years. More than 10. 10 plus years. Um, that is incredible there was there is a really great picture in uh, on your article which has this pitter and it looks like what looks like a rack of lamb yeah and I, the first thing I did when I first, before I read the article I went well that's just stupid because how are you going to eat around that lamb rack but what happened Oh, so the idea with that pitter with a bone, as they call it, is that you can just pull that bone right out. Because it's been braised. It's been braised to absolute surrender. And I think what they're trying to do there is uh, 
help get you to participate in your meal. So it is that getting messy. It is getting. It is feeling how tender the meat is before you even get it into your mouth. So it's really simple, but I think it's really clever. That's so effective because it sets up such a delicious expectation, wouldn't it? When totally. You, just by doing that, go. That's right. Oh my god, this is going to be good. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then you almost fall into it and yes. you take that first bite. So I love it. Um, all right, so there it is, folks. Um, it's happened. <laughs> who, who thought it would? And uh, Hardware Lane, here's another great reason to go to Hardware Lane. And as I said before, just as a an opinion that um, any place that has someone with a menu at the front, keep walking. Yeah. Okay, agreed. Um, there's been an interesting thing that's been happening over the, the week where there have been people from all over the world, food buyers, booze buyers, people that have been interested in food from other places. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's called Food and Beverage Trade Week. It's run by the Victorian government and it wasn't something I was aware of until this week when I was just called in to MC a couple of events for them. And I know you were involved as well, leading some of these delegates around on Tuesday night camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting event and for me it showed the food industry in a new light, something that from my sort of consumer and journalist point of view I hadn't really thought about much. Such as? So we had um, delegates from 19 different countries, mostly in Asia, and they were hand-picked by um, embassy staff and trade people working in the, in the area of trade. Curated. Yes, yes. Oh, curated. Yes. Uh, they were especially invited and they were uh, matched up with uh, export-ready Victorian food and beverage producers. So, And these also were hand-selected. Some so, really interesting people, weren't they? Yeah, so... Uh, you know, uh, supermarket owners in Myanmar, people running um, fancy delis in Vietnam. Um, mm. people, people buying stuff from Qatar. Right. Yeah. So, like, if people like, are really? really interested in Victorian <laughs> yogurt. So, I guess yes. the words clean and green were things that we heard a lot. So, the Australian... And why not? Victorian government is promoting our produce um, as clean, green and, you know, ready ready for export. Works for me. Gets a big tick from me and it's an easy thing to be able to shout from the rooftop, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But I think it was, you know, I think often when you think about government, well, I don't know what you think about it. You just think about, you know, people arguing and seeing people being disappointing on this the news. Is, yep. And for me, it was just, I really appreciated, um, as a, I suppose, as a taxpayer as much as anything else, seeing people working really hard to promote the things that we celebrate in our own different ways, Cam, uh, and get them out there to the world in a different way. I agree with you, Danny. Um, government, the political process can be infuriating. And yet, this is where we actually see uh, elected representatives doing really good things for the population. Yeah, so the, it's certainly the elected representatives, but also the public servants who are the ones that I engage well with put, most often. Actually, and it was, um, it's the department, so it's the Vic- Department of um, Economic Development and Trade and Tourism and, trade. and basically pretty much everything. And Agriculture um, too? Yeah, so it's, yes. a, it's a department with many um, little um, sub-areas. But it was... Yeah, I mean, I liked it. So, for example, on Tuesday, uh, there was uh, Industry Beans, Coffee coffee Guys, um, Mork Chocolate and Yarra Valley Tea Company presenting, doing little showcases of their products to some of these um, these buyers. And it was just, I don't know, it's just cool for them to be able to present what they do, what they work so hard at, to people who might take it to the world. A valid showcase. Yeah, yeah that was really good. Very, very much. And um, I would actually say if there are people that are listening that are part of the food industry and uh, they want to get involved in 
well, this, this lobbying effort for, for their produce and the state, um, who should they get in touch with? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Probably I think Victoria. That, well, yeah. look, look, Vic Victoria, yeah. and devel- business Economic development. development. Yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't really work. No, no. I don't, oh, I don't right. work no, no, for no. them. I was just reeled All- in and I was like, wow, this is a really nice new spin for me on this world. This is the fifth time they've done this food and beverage trade week. So it's not new to a lot of people, but no. it was, it was new to me and I, I just loved having a little bit of insight into it. What you doing, Sado? I've got to get some of this sunshine, but yeah. I'm off to Tassie tomorrow. So I think I've got to leave a bit of food for the fam behind me. So I'll have to. You're going to do some cooking. Well, at least, at least, um, buy a box of strawberries. <laughs> I can promise that. I, I thought you were going to say you're going to do what Matt's doing because he's going home. He's going to cook basketball. Bolognese. What are you doing? And Vindaloo. And Vindaloo. Yeah. Can you Get just some- send some of that over my way? Yeah, yeah no worries. Well, Thanks, Matt. Sick the Uber. All right, I'm going to Tasmania. Here's a strawberry. <laughs> That's really good of you, Danny. That's parenting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's sugar on it, isn't there? Uh, there is. What, um, very quickly, what are you doing in Taz? I'm doing cooking classes, so supporting my latest cookbook with um, a really What's your fun. Cookbook? Uh, it's called Entertaining with Danny Valent, and uh, it's nothing to do with an appliance, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> but it's got great recipes. <laughs> great recipes for everyone. That no, one. okay, that, and 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 that is true. They're they're always good to see. Um, keep up the great work that you do with Sunday Age. You always bring a little bit of sunshine when you come into the studio, Danny. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you for having Matt's me, guys. Matt's got a piece of paper. I know this. I can see this in my peripheral vision. Coming up next on Sunday Lunch. Oh, yes. Why? Cameron. Uh, Subversive Melbourne. So Jess and Nova still uh, filling in Sunday Lunch. Love it. Today's topic is queer rebellion. <gasps> and we look forward to the day when that won't be rebellious. Yes. Hopefully sometime so, fairly shortly. Goodness me. Can we just get it over and done with <laughs> Uh, 12.59. Next week, very quickly. Uh, tw- well, um, oh, bloody hell. Sorry. What, what's next Sorry. week? We've got, uh, oh, we've got the owner of the Mouldy Fig. Have you been to the Mouldy Fig? Mm-mm. Interesting place, just around the corner here. Um, a person who wrote in and had a great deal of heart and soul about Cajun cuisine. Mm. So we're going to have a bit of talk about that. And also someone that sounds vaguely like she should be from New Orleans, uh, Hannah Dupree. Or yeah, Dupre yeah, yeah. from uh, Stalling the Teacup. Thank you very, very much. We're going to talk tea. <laughs> That's happening next week. We're over time. We should go. Thanks again for coming in, Danny. See you next time. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.